The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Start! You can call me Bruce. Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce! Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome. To another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Bruce Exclusive, on Instagram at Bruce Exclusive, because I am Bruce Nolan, your host. Thank you so much for joining me for this Thursday episode. We have a topic to talk about today, but before we get into that topic, we have some news, some extremely important news because it's punter news. And you know how much I love my punter news. Pour one out for Kari Vedvik because he has been released from the Buffalo Bills and in his place, joining the punting competition is former Jets punter Lack Edwards. I am of the opinion that Lack Edwards was the best punter available on the market at the time. The previous Falcons punter, Matt Bosher, was also available, but he's coming off of a groin injury that he actually had twice last year. And I wonder if the Bills took a look at that and said pass, because I think Bosher's a better punter than Lack Edwards, but the health concerns are real. A lot of times you'll notice that when a kicker or a punter suffers a serious injury, a lot of times their career starts to take a downward turn. We saw that with Dan Carpenter. We're seeing it with Steven Hauschka. You see this because a lot of that stuff is muscle memory and a lot of time away from that position. Rehabbing can sometimes have a hard time getting your groove back. And so with that being said, if Bosher was 100% healthy and I was guaranteed I was going to get the previous version of him, then I would have picked him. But knowing that that may not have been a possibility... I'll take Lack Edwards for sure. He's been very consistent for the Jets over the last three years, averaging 46.6, 45.9, and 45.9 yards per punt. Roughly the 11th best in the league last year. He is 
a reasonable punter. I think he's a clear upgrade over Corey Bohorkas. I would be shocked if Lack Edwards was not the Buffalo Bills punter week one of 2020. And I am excited about it. I am excited to get an upgrade at a position. Very rarely do you get an upgrade at a position that plays every game on August 19th, which is when I'm recording this. It's August 19th at 6.05 p.m. You're listening to this probably on August 20th, which is a Thursday. But I'm recording it. I got home from work. I quick scarfed down some Subway because my wife's out of town and I didn't feel like cooking. I had steaks last week and I I love steaks, but I had to eat something right now. I didn't want to come home, put the steaks in the sous vide, do the podcast. Because if I do the podcast and I'm hungry, I'm going to get even grumpier and I don't want to do that. But as of right now, 6.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on August 19th. Being able to get an upgrade this late in the offseason, I'll take it as a win. And my opinion is, barring something crazy like Lack Edwards not being even a shadow of the player he used to be or someone getting hurt, he should be our week one starting punter. So, now that we've gotten that Bill's news out of the way, it's time for the topic for today. You know, when I was doing the AFC East preview pods, from a couple weeks back that were taught entitled Know Thy Enemy. I did a best case scenario and a worst case scenario for each one of the teams that the Buffalo Bills will face twice in 2020 and beyond. And as I was doing that format, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing the format, the best case, the worst case, because I really think that that helps kind of provide bumpers for the narrative. The narrative bumpers are, okay, realistically, yes, technically can the ball skip and go into the lane next to it? Sure, if you're a really bad bowler, that's possible. But generally speaking, the farthest left it can go is the left gutter, and the farthest right it can go is the right gutter. And so when you establish this, narratively speaking, it kind of helps everybody sort of settle into it. And I liked that. I enjoyed that process. And I thought to myself, You know, I did that, and then the previous week, I did the Mitchell Trubisky pod with Josh Allen and the Blake Bortles pod with Josh Allen and why those comparisons were kind of nonsense, and I thought, I'm going to have the best of both worlds. I'm going to combine those two things. So today is the best case and worst case scenarios that I envision possibilities for Josh Allen as of today. Why do I say as of today? Because I think ceiling and floor is fluid. That's really, really, really important. The first tenant of this methodology is that ceiling and floor are both fluid. Your floor can go up, your floor can go down. Your ceiling can go up, your ceiling can go down. Based on the data that you have available to you. Great example. My comparison For Josh Allen, reminder, I had a late day two, early day three grade on Josh Allen. My comparison was John Skelton coming out. At this point, even in the worst possible case scenario, Josh Allen's career type and his player type will not reflect John Skelton. There is no floor for Josh Allen at this point 
where I will be able to look back and go, yes, that was a good comparison, Bruce. You totally nailed it. There is no scenario in which I end up coming out of this looking like I nailed it. There is no possible outcome where Bruce looks intelligent there. Not possible. It was a bad call by me. Now, if he had come out and fallen flat on his face and been worse and then didn't even progress from 18 to 19, could that potentially have been the floor? Sure. Could the floor have been lower? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Floor could have been lower. He could have not even been rosterable. But the floor moves for people based on the data you give them. So if you think about it this way, if you think about it like a line chart, and the line is someone's skill level or growth over time, and then there's a line above it, which is their ceiling, and a line below it, which is their floor. Those three data point lines, where they are, their ceiling, and their floor, move in concert together. That's really important. You have to keep adjusting the ceiling and the floor based on the information you have available to you. These are fluid concepts. So I hope I explained that well, but the first major point of this pod is that ceilings and floors are fluid, not fixed. The second thing is that when I talk about ceilings and floors, there are two things that I'm going to talk about. Best case player type and worst case player type. And best case career type and worst case career type. So when you say Josh Allen is Blake Bortles or whatever it is you say, right? We already established that's pretty, pretty bad. It's not as bad as the Mitch Trubisky comparison, but it's, it's a pretty bad comparison. If I say that, well, he's Blake Bortles. That's way too equivalency based because there's so many different variables. So you really have to break it down to... Is he like Blake Bortles via career trajectory? Or is he like Blake Bortles from a player type, stylistic standpoint? And so I think we need to draw a line between those two things and make sure that we're very, very clear when we say so-and-so is so-and-so. That's a very broad, sweeping term. And I think you have to be clear whether or not you're comparing them from player type or career trajectory. For example, if you say someone reminds you of Tom Brady, that doesn't mean necessarily that they're comparing the career that Tom Brady has had with someone like Joe Burrow. I saw that. Someone compared Joe Burrow to Tom Brady. I don't think that's a great comparison, but I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, you compared him to Tom Brady. Well, no, I didn't compare what I think he's going to become with Tom Brady. I said that there are some traits that remind me of Tom Brady. It's very, very clear in your evaluation which you're doing. Are you comparing the career trajectories and the career paths, or are you comparing the player types? So I'm going to make sure that I'm being very clear when I'm doing this as to which I am comparing and why. So, are we ready? Are we ready for best and worst case scenarios, in my opinion, for Josh Allen as of right now? Let's do it. We are going to start with the best case scenarios. And I've actually ranked them based on my particular preferences of how lined up I think that they are with the ideal version of Josh Allen I see in the future. And so I'm going to give him a silver medal and a gold medal. And my silver medal 
best case scenario for Josh Allen at this point in his career, which is fluid, by the way. Next year, I could give you a completely different person. But right now, based on trajectory, based on player comparison, based on career comparison, my silver medal comparison for Josh Allen is Steve McNair. So, Steve McNair, why? Why Steve McNair? Multi-sport athlete, small school, Alcorn State. His first full season, he had fumble problems early on in his career. For the first couple of years of his career, his net yards per attempt ranked 18th, 15th, and 17th, but yet he averaged 524 rush yards per year. Steve McNair was a below average passer the first couple of years in the league. Now, we're going to take a quick side note here. When comparing statistics across eras, please don't forget to rank them to separate the bias that comes from eras in the NFL. I hate it when I see people tell me that Josh Allen's completion percentage is very close to Jim Kelly's. I hate it. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. In order to adjust for era, you have to make sure that you rank it relative to their peers at the time. Jim Kelly throwing for 59% in the mid-90s was a lot different than Josh Allen throwing for 59% in 2019. It's a lot different. That's why I said 18th. I didn't use the raw number to compare them. I used the comparison relative to their peers. So, with net yards per attempt... For Steve McNair, again, he was 18th in 97, 15th in 98, 17th in 99. In 2000, he jumped to 11th. But during those first three years, 97, 98, 99, he averaged 524 rush yards during that time. He was still developing as a passer. Steve McNair was a below average passer. People got upset at me when I said that about Josh Allen. He's a below average passer. Steve McNair was a below average passer for the first couple of years of his career. He was lauded for his toughness, his leadership. He had one shining moment in 2003 as a passer. He was co-MVP with Peyton Manning. He led the league in passer rating. But overall, over the course of his career, Steve McNair was never viewed as being an elite top five passing quarterback in the league. He was tough. He was a gamer. He was mobile. People ascribed words to him like he was a winner. He carried a really small school and became a top pick in the NFL draft. Does this sound familiar to anybody else? I think that if the end of Josh Allen's career comes and we look back and we think he had a Steve McNair career, I think that's a pretty good comparison. I think that is a career comparison that you can be proud of. And that's one of the best case scenarios I see for Josh Allen. The gold best case scenario. The best case scenario that I think most clearly aligns with the ceiling I envision in my head for Josh Allen isn't Steve McNair. It's Donovan McNabb. I want to give credit to my former co-host, Nick Bat, 
for initially planting this idea in my head over two years ago. And I've been fiddling with it for a while now. And I'd like to share with you some reasons why I think that these two quarterbacks could potentially be compared to each other if Josh Allen hits the ceiling. First off, I would like to read you Donovan McNabb's NFL Combine. 74.3 inches tall, 223 pounds, 30.75 arm length, 10-inch hand size, 4.64 in the 40-yard dash, 2.71 in the 20-yard split, 1.66 in the 10-yard split, vertical leap of 33 inches, 20-yard shuttle of 4.38, three-cone of 7.3. Josh Allen, 76.88 inches tall, 237 pounds, 33.25 arm length, 10.13 inch hands, 78.375 wingspan, 4.75 in the 40-yard dash, 2.74 in the 20-yard split, 1.59 in the 10-yard split, 33.5 inches in vertical leap. 4.4 seconds in the 20-yard shuttle, 6.9 seconds in the three-cone. That's very similar, folks. That is very, very similar. Their 20-yard shuttles are basically identical. Their vertical leaps are basically identical. Their 40-yard dashes are very, very close. Their 20-yard splits are almost identical. Their 10-yard splits are very, very close. Their height and weight, a little bit bigger. Josh is a little bit bigger than him. He's got longer arms, very, very similar size hands. They are similar athletes in the way that they move on the field. Athletically, they're very, very similar. So right off the bat, you're like, oh, okay, that's pretty interesting. Donovan McNabb, also a multi-sport athlete. Mothers and fathers, teach your kids to play multiple sports. It's good for them. They both came out in a quarterback-rich draft class. For Donovan McNabb, it was Tim Couch, McNabb, Akili Smith, Cade McNown, Dante Culpepper. For Allen, obviously it was Allen, Mayfield, Rosen, Jackson, Darnold. Five first-round quarterbacks. Five first-round quarterbacks. The fans in Philadelphia didn't want Donovan McNabb, just like a lot of fans in Buffalo didn't want Josh Allen. Do you know who the fans in Philadelphia wanted? They wanted Ricky Williams. And they were really upset when they didn't get him. It was all over. Go back. Go back and read some of the publications from that time about the fans wanting Ricky Williams and not getting it and how well that that went. The first time that Donovan McNabb took the field for his first start, he was 8 of 21 for 60 yards. That's it's not great, Bob. In addition... In 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, right? Four of the first years of his career, his net yards per attempt ranked 30th, 21st, 29th, and 21st in the league. Donovan McNabb was also a below average passer earlier in his career. He had 481 yards he averaged during that time. Sound familiar? Early in his career, he was a slow developing passer who was below average at his position for a while and made up for it with his legs. Hmm. During that time, 
the Eagles had a pretty good de- defense. You know how I know? Because when Donovan McNabb went down, the Eagles went 5-1 and one with A.J. Feely and Coy Detmer and managed to convince the Miami Dolphins that A.J. Feely, of all people, was a franchise quarterback and swap him for a draft pick. Remember all that thing that Bill Belichick did where he's always trading Tom Brady's backup for a pick? Andy Reid did it first for the Eagles. Donovan McNabb's completion percentage was very, very rarely ever higher than the high 50s. Now, I understand, I understand, very important, we don't compare across eras. But we've already established his net yards per attempt was not ranked high in the NFL. And then, and then, the Philadelphia Eagles obtained a dominant wide receiver named Terrell Owens, and Donovan McNabb took off. He jumped all the way to sixth in the league in net yards per attempt, ended up on the cover of Madden, and had his rushing numbers drop deep into his career. He was 2004. He was multiple seasons into his career before he saw a jump in his quarterback play. And it was largely predicated on the fact that they got him a dominant receiver. There was no more Todd Pinkston, Freddie Mitchell, the people's champ. There was no more of those people he was throwing the ball to. They got him a dominant number one wide receiver, and he took off. Huh. That's interesting. I think the best possible case for Josh Allen is Donovan McNabb. I'm not saying he's going to hit this. I'm saying I can see lots of similarities. I mean, you can hear it in my voice. I'm proud of this comparison. Again, shout out to Nick for putting it in my brain multiple years ago. But the more I do the research, the more I think, yeah, okay, I can see that. And if you get a Donovan McNabb-like career out of Josh Allen, you could consider that successful. We are going to take a quick break. We are going to come back. We are going to go through the worst case scenarios for Josh Allen. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive of Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. We're going to dive right back into it. We said that the top two ceiling comparisons for Josh Allen were Donovan McNabb and Steve McNair. Now, what are the worst case scenarios? I will admit this is challenging 
finding someone who had a career trajectory like Josh Allen and then bottomed out is difficult if you're not interested in being lazy because we already established if you're interested in being lazy, you'll do Mitchell Trubisky and Blake Bortles. And I don't think those things are true. So I've got two more for you. Worst case scenario, number one, the silver medal for worst case scenarios goes to, drumroll please, Jake Locker. Statistically, this is not a great comparison. You're not going to sit here and listen to me spew out a lot of really good statistical comparisons because Jake Locker's reasonable year wasn't as good as Josh Allen's reasonable year that he had last year, where we go, okay, maybe Josh Allen's best year is already better than Jake Locker's best year. But allow me to instead compare the career types. Jake Locker. He was hyped up as potentially a first overall pick. Then he went back to school and disappointed in his last year in college. From the Pacific Northwest, coming out with completion percentage and inaccuracy issues in the draft. Extremely athletic, lauded for his leadership and toughness. He came out during a year where four quarterbacks went in the top 10. Newton, Gabbert, Locker, Ponder. Actually, four in the top 12, I think. So, that's all similar. Very similar. ESPN's John Clayton thought he was a day two pick. There was a really significant outcry that he was a reach when the Titans took him. Just like there was for Josh Allen. His athleticism looks like this. This is the combine for Jake Locker. 74 and a half inches, 231 pounds, 31.63 arm length, 9.63 hand size, 40 yard dash in 451, 20 yard split in 258, 10 yard split in 16, vertical leap 35, 20 yard shuttle 412, three cones 677. Again, very, very similar athletes. Josh Allen a little bit bigger, Jake Locker a little bit quicker. But, very similar athletes. Statistically, I don't think they're similar at all. Statistically, you know, Jake Locker's, I don't say breakout season because he never broke out, but Jake Locker's, okay, let's see what he's got next year. Season, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. If Josh Allen never got better from 2018 to 19, I think this comparison would be better. But it's still better than Mitch Trubisky. It's still better than Blake Bortles. But even if Josh Allen bottoms out now, this still won't be a great comparison. It's a reasonable one, which is the why I use it, but I'll level with you. I really struggled to come up with worst case scenarios for Josh Allen that would fit the career trajectory because it's such a unique sort of animal with Josh Allen. But this one, this one, the gold medal for worst case scenario for Josh Allen goes to J.P. Lossman. What? What are you talking about? I actually think the comparison's a little bit more reasonable than you think. First off, let's go with athleticism. J.P. Lossman at the combine, 74.3 inches, 224 pounds, 31.5 inch arm length, 9 inch hand size, 4.7 in the 40, 2.67 in the 20 yard split, 1.59 in the 10 yard split, vertical leap of 33. He also had a pretty high wonderlick, which Josh Allen was lauded for coming out. In addition, J.P. Lossman 
you know, we know he's athletic. We know he's got a big arm. He carried a smaller school in a highly touted draft class. In that draft class, it was Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, J.P. Lossman. And Lossman was fighting for relevancy amongst these highly touted guys. He helped carry Tulane. He had a clear, individualized strength as a passer with underdeveloped weaknesses. J.P. Lossman had a great long ball, ladies and gentlemen. Josh Allen doesn't have a great long ball right now. But there was one thing that he was really good at. Just like Josh Allen's good at canning the ball over the middle of the field, specifically against zone coverage, that's the strength he's got, that's the thing he's good at as a passer. J.P. Lossman also had a single trait that made us excited. Man, you know, he's got the long ball. If he can just work on XYZ, he was intended as a project quarterback who would sit behind someone else. In this case, sit behind Drew Bledsoe, and he actually did get to sit. That's one of the clear differences. J.P. Lossman did get to sit. Josh Allen did not. Also, the 2006 J.P. Lossman stat line, eerily similar to 2019 Josh Allen. Let me help you. J.P. Lossman, 2006. Played and started 16 games. 62.5% completion percentage for 3,051 yards, 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Yards per attempt, 7.1. QBR, 46.8. In addition, J.P. Lossman did uh, did some rushing that year. 38 rushes, 140 yards. And a touchdown. Not as much rushing as Josh Allen, but a little bit of competitive sort of uh, ability to keep uh, defenses honest. Josh Allen, 2019. 271 out of 461, 58.8% completion percentage. Just over 3,000 yards with 3,089, 20 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Yards per attempt less than J.P. Lossman at 6.7. QBR, eerily similar, 47.3. Aside from the rushing, they were very similar as a passer. J.P. Lossman completed a little bit higher percentage, but didn't rush as well as Josh Allen did. And then, J.P. Lossman never got better. He didn't get better from that point in. We thought he was on the midst of, on the cusp, on the verge of breaking out after 2016. And that's not what happened. The next year, he only started seven games, four touchdowns, six interceptions. QBR dropped to 38.2. He hung on one more year as a backup and then went for Oakland. Finished his career with the Dolphins, like many Bills greats. I know we don't want to think about a time when we thought J.P. Lossman was a promising young quarterback, but there was a time. And if Josh Allen bottoms out, the worst case possible scenario, I think we will look back on his career as Bills fans and think, J.P. Lossman. I mean, I hate to end this pod on a downer, but best case, worst case. I will say, I think the best cases 
line up better than the worst cases. I think I did better with the best cases than I did with the worst cases because it's really difficult to find worst case scenarios that I felt reasonable talking out loud about without feeling like an idiot. I think both of those are better than Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles as far as worst case scenarios go. But those are best case and worst case. The fact of the matter is J.P. Lossman isn't Josh Allen. Donovan McNabb isn't Josh Allen. Steve McNair isn't Josh Allen. Jake Locker's not Josh Allen. Comparing people equally is kind of an exercise in futility. But what you do is you put up yard markers to kind of give you an idea of stylistically and type what you should be looking for. And that's what I was intending to do here. I hope that you found this pod enjoyable and informative. I hope that it excites you to think about the ceiling and simultaneously worries you to think about the floor. Because that's part of being a fan. Being excited, being worried. I'm excited for tomorrow's podcast, and I'm worried you're not going to come back after I gave you the worst case scenarios. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Peace.